Is there a price on faith? Pastor Xavier Reese with The Simple Truth. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Noah was to be the laughing stock of the world for 120 years. Moses was to suffer at the rejection of his own people constantly. Daniel was to suffer having his life in jeopardy often. Who's he talking to? He's talking to Christians. He's not talking to a non-believer. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. How do you spell commitment? Well, when it comes to the faith, Pastor Xavier says we must consider the price, stay true to our calling, and be completely obedient to our commander. He pulls these principles from his study in the book of 2 Timothy. Let's join him in chapter 2 for today's essential lesson, Be a Devoted Soldier. When we study the church, remember that the church is the bride of Christ, it's the body of Christ, the family of God, it's the army of God. And there's many metaphors that are used. Each one of them will give us a clear perspective of a function and an aspect of it. But no one metaphor will describe all of the efficiency of the church. And the same with the responsibility of a minister. So Paul uses certain metaphors, as we'll show you, to hit the ministry responsibility from every different angle so he can be a faithful servant. In the first two verses of this chapter, the first metaphor Paul focused on is a faithfulness using the relationship of a son who was to continue in the family heritage, the gospel. Then notice that Paul moves on to the second metaphor in verse 3 and 4. That of a soldier, which focuses on devotion, telling us three things about Timothy being a soldier of Jesus Christ. Let me read these verses. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier." Here's the three things that he wants Timothy to know. First, in verse 3, Timothy was to commit himself to the cost of being a soldier. The cost. Secondly, beginning in verse 4, Timothy was to count himself to have no distractions. Commit himself to have no distractions as a soldier. And then the latter part of verse 4 Timothy was to commit himself to the will of his commanding officer as a soldier. Three important things for him to understand. Once again, remember that the first division of his last letter here, from chapter 1, verse 3, to chapter 2, verse 13, deals with commitment to perseverance through the gospel. Commitments through perseverance, through the gospel. If you are not committed to the gospel, you will not persevere. People sometimes think, well, I'll go to church. Going to church will not make you, will help you persevere if you're just coming to church. You've got to make sure you're coming to church because you love the Lord and because your heart is open and you're going to come to church. And when you leave here, you're going to leave a different person than when you first came. 
If this is just a religious duty, then you're just a good moral pagan. But you should be coming here and you should be totally changed every time you leave from here. I should be changed every time I get into the Word of God. This is the key. It's a relationship. So it's a commitment to perseverance through the gospel so that we don't deceive ourselves and we don't think it's because we've got experience and we've got ability and we've got talent and we've got it together. No, it's because we're in the gospel. I'm committed to the gospel. Let's begin with the first here. Timothy was to commit himself to the cost of being a soldier. Listen to him. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier. Notice, first of all, the person addressed is who? Timothy. This is the letter. It's to him and no one else. The personal pronoun, you, is emphatic in, as it is in verse 1. They're all imperatives. They're not options. When you hear this from the pulpit, this is for you. This is not for the person next to you. This is not for the person that isn't here. This is not for the person that you think should be here. <laughs> this is for you. The proclamation, again, is in conclusion of what has preceded, evident by the word, therefore. In view of all who forsook me in Asia, chapter 1, verse 15. In view of the example of unfaithful commitment by Phygelus and Hermogenes, chapter 1, verse 15. In view of the example of faithful commitment by Onesiphorus, chapter 1, verse 16 through 18, you follow the faithful example. Here's the conclusion. Timothy, follow the right example. Notice, secondly, the personal orders are to endure hardship. You cannot be a smorgasbord Christian. The sweet comes with the bitter. The lean comes with the plenty. The good times come with difficult times. And we don't choose them. The word must in your text is not in the original text. Though the old King James Version is very reputable and very honest in as far as this. When you read the old King James, those words that are italicized, they are italicized for this purpose, to let you know that they're not in the original manuscripts, but they have been inserted by man to help you understand what the text is saying. And without doubt, it's for the strongest possible obligation because that's what the Greek communicates. This is not an option. Notice the phrase, endure hardship. It does not merely mean to suffer some hardship different from another soldier of the cross, but that he was to share in the part of the sufferings that fell to him. Part of the problem of believers is we're always comparing ourselves. And we say, well, why, why, why doesn't my life go as good as theirs? Why don't they have some of my sufferings? But see, Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, you share in the things that God has designed and purposed for you. And be content knowing that this is the best for you. And it's best for the church. And it's best for others. Paul told the Corinthians that we're not wise if we compare ourselves among ourselves. We're really unwise. Because I'm not to compare myself to anybody. The same tense is found in chapter 4, verse 5. Listen. 
but you be watchful in all things. Here it is. Endure afflictions. Same thing. Paul is telling Timothy to share with him in the patient enduring of suffering for the gospel. Isn't that what he told him in chapter 1, verse 8? Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Paul's personal cause was to be chained, yet the word of God was not chained, chapter 2, verse 9. When Paul was arrested on the Damascus Road, what did Jesus say? I must show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Paul declares why he endured all the sufferings. He says, for the sake of those chosen in Christ. For the elect. The Jew and the elect of the New Testament saint. Whatever the context is, that will determine it. So he endured what he endured for the sake of others, not himself. A soldier endures not for himself, but for others. Those he's defending, those that he, he believes are worth dying for. We are told that Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season in Hebrews 11.25. Good choice. Listen to me, young people. The pain that you will endure through disobedience is greater than the pain that you will endure through obedience. The pain through obedience is nothing compared to the pain of disobedience. Honest. Notice thirdly, the picture presented as one of a good soldier in Jesus Christ. Notice the word good, kalos. It's related to an Indo-European word for powerful, excellent, and strong, with the sense of something being healthy, serviceable, what is order and sound. The implication being that you're going to be of good to someone else. The word is used of good fruit regarding God's kingdom in Matthew 3.10. The word is used of the good ground and the good seed in Matthew 13, 30, uh, 23 and 24 of the kingdom parables. The word is used of Jesus, the good shepherd, in John 10, 11. If you go through 1 and 2 Timothy over 15 to 20 times, you will find this word good. It's a key word to the first and second epistle of Timothy. And also Titus, all three of the pastoral epistles. Now, the identity of Timothy as a soldier of who? Of Jesus Christ. This is important. Timothy has been given a charge to wage a good warfare. It's a good warfare. A soldier, soldiers are separated from the general population. Those of you that were in the service, you know that. First thing you do is they isolate you for three, four months, six weeks, seven weeks, whatever your boot camp was in the Army, Pennsylvania, or Marine, or whatever it was. Soldiers are stripped of their own identity, and they're broken in boot camp. And you are nothing until you graduate. Soldiers are trained to live under every type of condition. Soldiers have no permanent residence. In fact, soldiers have no say-so. 
They follow orders. You remember Epaphroditus in Philippians chapter 2, verse 25? He's an example of a soldier of Jesus Christ because he endured to share with the sufferings of Paul in his first imprisonment that his service almost led to his death. He was not there for himself, but he was there for Paul. A beautiful example of what Paul is saying here. Timothy knew him. Timothy was aware of his service to Paul. Now, each one of us as a believer will suffer hardship as a Christian, but we're not to think these testings and trials as strange, but in fact as sharing in the sufferings of Christ and with Christ, and we are to count it joy. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 13. Thinking not strange when these fiery members, fiery testings come upon you. You're partaking of the Lord's suffering with him. And we're to do it with joy. That doesn't mean that we're sadomasochists. It means that we see God working in our lives and he's going to take us through a period of difficulty or whatever it is so that he might chip away upon the flesh, the old man, to renew me to make me more like him, to train my ear, to make my heart softer, to make me more yielding to him. Each person who is godly will suffer, and each being distinct and different will suffer differently according to God's purpose and according to God's allowance. Can you handle that? Look what he says here in chapter 2, verse 12. He says, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. I like that. But watch, the next one comes with it. If we deny him, he also will deny us. You can't, you can't take one and leave the other. Okay? Who's he talking to? He's talking to Christians. He's talking to Timothy. He's not talking to a non-believer. Look at chapter 3, verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Oh, bummer. <laughs> Noah was to be the laughing stock of the world for 120 years. Could you have handled it? Moses was to suffer at the rejection of his own people constantly. Daniel was to suffer having his life in jeopardy often. Everybody's different. Each of us will in fact be an evident token that we are good soldiers of Jesus Christ only as we are strong in the grace of Jesus Christ for the particular hardship having proper perspective. Listen to Paul. He gives you the perspective in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through 9. But we have this treasure in the earthen vessel, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. I like the J.B. Phillips translation in this last verse. Listen to it. Knocked down, but not knocked out. You ever get in a town with somebody down in the world? No matter how many times you knock them down, he keeps getting up. You say, what the heck's holding them up? 
There was an old fighter, Bobby Chacon. He was like that. He'd go in there. He'd get beat. He'd be bloody, but he'd win the fight. And the more bloody he got, the fiercer he got as a boxer. I didn't do too much good for him, but I mean, nevertheless, it's a good illustration. Knocked down, but not knocked out. Too many Christians are too soft. Ow, that hurts. <laughs> You're a soldier of the cross. Timothy was to commit himself to the cost of being a soldier. This is the proclamation. Notice, secondly, Timothy was to commit himself to have no distractions as a soldier. Listen to him carefully. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Notice first, the picture is one of what? Warfare. Real simple, guys. This is not brain surgery. Warfare. The military metaphor is a favorite one of the scriptures if you've gone from Genesis to Revelation. Paul tells the Romans in Romans 6.13 that the members of our bodies are weapons of righteousness. These are weapons. Paul declares in Romans 7, 23, the principle of sin nature that wars against the law of our minds. There's tension. It's a battle going on. Paul tells the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10, 4, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. I have to bring my thoughts into captivity, putting on the mind of Christ. Paul tells the Ephesians, Ephesians 6, 11, that we put on the whole armor of God in order that we might stand against the wiles and the schemes of the devil. Do you know one of the names of the Lord in the Old Testament is the Lord of Wars? Do you know the key phrase in, the, in the Isaiah, if you remember, you were studying with us, the Lord of hosts? That means the captain of the armies of heaven. He's never lost a battle. Paul reminds the Ephesians that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places in Ephesians 6.12. See, all the philosophy of self-love and it's in you and you're so good and you can do it yourself has, has, has kind of helped us in the last 30, 40 years, so this thought. But we've made a society that's made of butter and people can't handle life when it gets hard. Now, are you falling to the same categories of people in the world? Are you falling apart? I hope not. I'm aware of what's going on. But you know what? God's in control of my life. I don't need to fear. I need to use common sense. But I'm not driven by fear. I'm not losing sleep at night over it. Satan is called the God of this world in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Satan roars around and roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour in 1 Peter 5.8. An invisible enemy. The attack of the enemy will come through three areas, and only three areas. 1 John 2, 16 says, The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. These are the three areas that came in the garden. Eve said she saw, she desired, and she thought to make one wise. 
Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Those are the three areas that every testing and temptation will come to your life and mine. No other area will it come through except those three. The attacks can come through various means. They can come through the devil himself, directly. They can come through demons and spirits, which is fallen angels. They can come through the agency of man. They can come through the agency of my own sin nature. And they can come by permission of God, even as he allows Satan to test Job. So they, there's, there's various means that the attack can come through. Notice, secondly, here the proclamation. It is that no one who is in warfare is involved in the issues, listen, of civilian life. The statement is inclusive of all. No exception. Every believer is intended here for all ages. The Christian and the Christian community is God's light. We are the children of light. We are sons and daughters of light. The world and the non-believer are representative of the children of darkness. John is cut and dry. You read 1 John, he says you belong to one of two families. Either this morning you belong to the family of God, light, or you belong to the family of darkness of Satan. And he says it. Either Satan's your father or Jesus is your father. The father through Jesus Christ. One of the two. So some people get mad at me because I'm real cut and dry. You better not read 1 John. You get offended. Because he tell you belong one family or the other. Now you can be a good moral pagan and be belong to Satan. You can be a more wicked person in the world, the most wicked person in the world, you belong to Satan. You can be the greatest good moral pagan in the world, you still belong to Satan. You must be born again. You're born into the family of God. And by the way, you're born into warfare. The minute you're born again, you're born into warfare. You don't have an option. There, there's no draft in heaven. Everybody's enlisted. The simple illustration is most instructive. Notice, the word entangles means to weave or to entwine so as to get involved with the idea of being impeded for effectiveness or victory. But there's one other time that it appears, and it's only two. The other one is in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20, and it has the same idea. Listen to it very careful because he's talking to Christians. He says, Peter declares that if a person escapes the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and they, here's the word, again entangle themselves in them and are overcome, the latter end is worse than the first. How I have seen many Christians be delivered from drugs, from sexual promiscuity, from whatever it is. And God has done an incredible work in their life. And they begin to mess with certain things all over again, or different things. And they are brought into captivity and destruction. And their latter end is worse than the first. It's a warning to the Christian. You do not warn non-believers. They're dead. You warn people who are alive, the Christian. You evangelize the non-believer. You warn the believer. So when people want to say that this applies to non-believers or people who are never born again, 
I would caution you to take that liberal stand and deceptive stand. It's a warning to the Christian who can entangle himself again because he still has sin nature. A very strong warning. Pastor Xavier Reese and a challenge for God's children to walk according to the truth of the Word of God. And there's much more to come next time, but if you won't be able to join Pastor Xavier, you can always pick up a copy of this message on CD for only $4. And make sure you pass along this study to someone in your church or Bible study once you're through. So once again, the title to ask for is Be a Devoted Soldier, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. What does it take to be truly committed to the Lord? The answer may surprise you. That's coming up on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 